This is my Bible. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I do what it tells me to do. And I love my Bible. So I make this as a confession. That I will meditate therein. Both day and night. On a chapter in the morning. And a chapter in the evening. And because I do. My life is blessed. It's no more a mess. Now everything I touch. Come on, everything I touch, it now turns to success. If you believe that, shout hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this another opportunity to meditate your word. Your word, oh God, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We ask you to shine your light today by the Holy Spirit. Help us to see it. Help us to get it. Your word unto us. In the name of Jesus, we pray that my speech and my teaching, my preaching this morning will not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but let them be by demonstration of your, of your spirit and of your power, that our faith won't be in the wisdom of a man, but it'll be in the power of God, in the word of God. And for that, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you put your hands together and welcome everybody joining us Amen. Praise God. Well, good morning, good morning, and God bless you. Glad to see you all out on this beautiful day. and uh, Just so thankful to be able to share God's word with you today. And of course, if you are uh, online with us, we welcome you. Our Facebook family here at Faith Family Church. We believe that this word is just as much for you today, amen, no matter if it's a playback or whether you're watching it live. So, you know, give an ear to hear to what God will say to you, and we believe that you will be blessed. Amen? Amen. amen. Well, I want to continue something that I started on Easter Sunday, and then I picked it up again uh, a couple weeks after that. I want to pick it back up again. I know Mother's Day was uh, a special day. But I want to look back at the subject of life and death. Life and death. It's a series that we're taking out of Deuteronomy chapter 30, but I want to look today specifically at Proverbs 18. In the book of Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20, the Bible says, a man's stomach, what he consumes and partakes of in life, shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. That is true both naturally and spiritually. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So a man's stomach will be satisfied what he consumes in life, what he partakes of in life, will be satisfied from the fruit that comes out of his mouth and from the produce of his lips. I believe y'all know the fruit is in the produce section. <laughs> From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. He goes on to say that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Amen. Well, I was doing some work and, you know, with the setup team last night, getting ready. 
uh, to minister to you today. And I went out to my vehicle and I came back in and as I was walking in, I heard this from the Lord. The power of the tongue is the ability to choose between life and death in any given situation. We're going to talk about the power of the tongue today. Because the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so I'm going to show you from the Word of God that what I've heard from the Spirit of God is true and based on the Word of God. And that is that the power of the tongue, to understand that, it's your ability to choose life and death in any given situation. Amen? We, of course, know that in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30, the Lord God said this, and I believe he's saying it to us today. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And I believe that though this may have been stated thousands of years ago, I believe it's true for you and I today, that God sets before you the choice between life and death. Between experiencing good in life and experiencing death in life. The choice between experiencing his blessing and experiencing but the choice is up to you. Life and death is a matter of choice. You get to choose what your experience in life will be. Amen. But some people say, you know, well, how does faith play into that? We don't follow faith. We follow statements. In other words, we don't go by, you know, what will be will be. Or the, that things just happen in life by chance or by happenstance. No, we believe that you can control the outcomes of your life in any area of your life because of this statement right here. He says, I give you the ability, the free moral agency to choose in this life whether you want to experience good or evil, whether you want to experience blessing or cursing, whether you want to experience life or death. You get to choose. And then he urges us to choose life. Choice is up to you. You say, well, is that true? And that's why we're taking the time to minister on this because of the impact. We've often gone along with, well, the things that are happening to me are beyond my ability to control. And even God is in control and he's sovereign. And, and this must be the will of God that I don't have this and that I have that because God is in control and his sovereignty reigns over all. That's not what he said in this particular verse. He says, I'm giving you the choice to what your experience in life is going to be whether good or not so good. He encourages us to choose life and not only for your sake, but so that your children can live. How many of y'all know that our decisions have an impact on our children? Amen. What we decide to do about our marriage, what we decide to do about our money, what we decide to do about where we work. I mean, all in every area, our decisions in life have some bearing on another on our children's lives. And so he urges us to choose life. Jesus came along, of course, 
In John chapter 10 and verse 10, and he made a powerful statement that goes right along with what he's saying in Deuteronomy. He said, of course, the, the thief is only there to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came so that they may have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. If you're not living the life that you've dreamed of, the choice to live that life is up to you. Amen. He said, I came so that you could experience a better life. And I want you to know this. No matter how good your life is going right now, there is a better life that you can live. I mean, things might be great financially. Things might be great in your relationships, but they're still better. And that's what Jesus came, is so you can experience the better life. But in this same way, you have to learn how to choose life over death. So I left off the last time with a question that I want to pick right back up on this time. So how do you choose life instead of death? Now, I don't mean people regularly that don't want to experience good in life. I don't, I don't mean people that would choose death over life or, or cursing instead of blessing or evil instead of good. I mean, most of us want good. We, so how then, since the choice is ours, how do we make the choice for life? It comes down to this key verse of Scripture and your understanding of it. He tells you exactly how to choose life. When you look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. In Proverbs 18 and 21, God says, death and life are in the power of your tongue. In the other verse, he says, death and life, you choose. Here he says, how you choose it is through this thing called the power of the tongue. My question to you today is how well do you understand it? and embrace the power of the tongue. Because those who love it will eat its fruit. And they say, well, love what? Love the power of the tongue? Love that? Love life? How about all three? That's good. It could refer to all three. Death is in the power of the tongue, and if you love death, you will eat the fruit. You could talk yourself into an early grave. Same way. Life are in the power of the tongue. If you love life, how many of y'all know you can love life? Well, if you love life, you'll eat the fruit of it because it's in the power of the tongue. And then also, the power of the tongue is it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those that love the power of the tongue will eat its fruit. How many of y'all know when you love something, you get good at it? I like this one. I mean, I really, really like this one. Um, I told this, this story earlier, and I, I'll share it with you all. I remember the first time I swam across a pool. It was in the YMCA off of Bradshaw Avenue in Detroit, Michigan. Old building. Uh, it almost looks abandoned today, but uh, I believe the swimming pool was in the basement. And I can vividly see myself, I mean, probably like Andre's age, or you know, a little bit younger than that, eight or nine years old. And my dad was there. And uh, we had been, you know, going through swim lessons and kick on the side. You learn how to kick. You, know, you do your little motor boat, different things. You push on the side and kick. But I had never swam all the way across without stopping and without assistance. Well, this was the day. I mean, they had it all set up. They had people out there to help you. 
But the goal was to start on this side and to finish on that side. And I remember God pushed on, and I started kicking in. I wasn't doing the swimming, but I was going to just kick, and I held my breath, and I got all the way to the other side. I remember that memory to this day. But I really liked to swim. Um, but, but I really liked it, so I got good at it. I mean, swam through high school, you know, went to the city finals, all that kind of stuff. Even got a partial scholarship in, 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 in college. Amen. Uh, and even to this day, I enjoy it. Well, when you love something, you get good at it. You think about it. You talk about it. You practice it. You like it. I mean, it's something that you really, really like. And that's what he's saying in this verse. The people that love life and love the power of the tongue they get good at it to the point where they eat the fruit of it. They love it. They're not just, oh, yeah, you know, words matter, but, you know, God understands. No, they understand the power of the tongue, and then they therefore use it intentionally. So when you love something, you get good at it. You know, the Bible talks about all three of these things. Um, so I want to challenge you today to love the power of the tongue but then also, I want to challenge you today to love life. I'll never forget this. I was, um, you know, I work with children, teenagers, different things, different times in my life. And I remember one person said, you know, just a young, just a young child, I hate my life. And I don't know, I, I think I've been there at a point in my life where you're just going through a troubled time. And the thought comes, at least, man, I, I don't really like what's going on in my life one thing to think it, but it's another thing to say it. I, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but the, you know, how, how many of y'all know your words have power? I was a bank teller at the Telecom Credit Union in Detroit, Michigan. And, uh, you know, I'm just processing stuff. And I think it was a Saturday morning. This lady kind of rushes in, pulls in, and she sends up the, the, the container, and she wants to make a deposit or, or make a withdrawal or something. And I sent it right back out to her. And then she looked over, and then I, you know, I, I pushed the button. I said, uh, I need your driver's license. She said, ooh, I hate you. <laughs> I felt it when she said it. <laughs> she don't even know me. <laughs> but she said she hates me. What's going on? There's this power in words. You know, maybe I frustrated her because, you know, how I handled that. Maybe I could have been a little bit more pleasant about it or, or whatever the case but your words have power. Do you hate your life? The Bible says, for he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. So in talking about the, the, the power of the tongue, you've got to understand, if you're going to be the individual who will love life, that at some point you, you get to that place, you say, man, I love the life that God has given me. I am so blessed. Things are going so well. If you're ever going to get to that place in your life, in your family, in your business, where your children are concerned, it's going to be because you have followed something in this scripture. You have followed this word. What does it say? He who would love life, he who would see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. 
You want to get to that place where your life is going a lot better than it is right now. And you want to love life, then you got to watch your mouth. You got to keep your mouth from saying bad things. From saying bad things about yourself, from saying bad things about others, from saying bad things to others or about others. You got to keep your mouth from speaking evil. And you've got to keep your lips from telling lies, speaking deceit. There's a counterpart to this verse of scripture. Because Peter is actually quoting something that was said in the Old Testament. I want to look at it as well, because it just gives us new life. He said, who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may seem good? That is a good question. If we were to ask that question or send it out in a poll or a petition or, you know, on Facebook and say, hey, you know, if you love your life and if you've seen good in your life, then please respond and, and, and tell us. The individual who gets to that place where they love life and love many days, they are the individual who keeps their tongue from evil and their lips from speaking deceit. What you and I are experiencing today in life is a result of the culmination of words that we've spoken in the past. If you're in a place where you don't love life right now, check up on your words. Because every scripture that we've looked at and talked about indicates that we have the ability to choose the outcome of our lives. It's not the person that you met. It's not the parents that you were born to. Come on, it's not the family that you were raised in. No, it is up to you to choose what your life will look like. And if you don't like what, what, it, what it looks like, you have the power to change it, and it is in your mouth. Amen. What you and I are experiencing in life today is a cumulative result of the words that we have spoken in our past. Look at what James says about the tongue. In James chapter 3, verse number 2, he says, for we all, all of us, every single one of us, from the pulpit to the parking lot, we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, in what comes out of their mouth, if they don't make any mistake in, in saying the wrong, the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong person in the wrong way, come on somebody. If you get to the place where you don't make any mistakes with the words that come out of your mouth, then you are a perfect man and able to control your whole body. If you've ever wondered why you can't control yourself when you get around chocolate cake, <laughs> or you can't control yourself where the opposite sex is concerned, or some other stuff, it comes back to your ability to control what comes out of your mouth. If you've been wanting to lose that extra weight or do a certain thing, it starts. You want to know the reason why we hold up our Bible and say, this is, I am what I say, I am what it says I am. I do what it tells me to do. Come on, somebody. The reason why we say that is because it will have an impact on our lives. We'll find ourselves reading that chapter, Monday through Friday, meditating in the Word of God. Why? We set the order with the words of our mouth. Why? Because God said, God said that death and life are in the power of God. It is how you choose what you want your life to look like. You control it with words. But look at the rest of these verses. So he says, we saw in many things, if anyone does not stumble in words, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, 
And we turn that whole body. Think about that for a moment. My brother T, he likes to ride horses. He knows how to count them by the hands. You know, like a 17-hand horse. You know, he's a real big dude, you know, real tall. So you don't want to get on no little bitty horse. You know, get up there on the a big old guy on some little bitty horse. You want a six-foot tall horse, right? Y'all awake this morning? <laughs> well, think about it. I mean, no matter how big you are, a horse is going to be bigger than you. We put a little piece of metal in that horse's mouth and are able to command and control this beast of an animal that is so much stronger and taller and bigger than we are, how is it by this, not by this, not by the reins that was on the side of his head, not by the hair, you can pull on his hair all you want, you can kick him inside, we don't control him by the saddle that we strap on him, we control horses by this little small piece of metal that we put in their mouth. We can tell them to go when we want them to go, stop when we want them to stop, turn right, turn left, turn all the way around if we want them to do that. Why? Just that little piece of metal. He said, we do that with horses. He goes on to say in verse 4, look at the ships. You know, I just got off a cruise ship not too long ago. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. You know, sometimes in our community, you know, we're oil and gas and we're down in the shipping area. And so sometimes you'll drive by a building that has this big old uh, rudder. Um, I think that's what it's called, the, the propeller. Is that the rudder? Okay, no. But they got this big old propeller. This massive thing, and it looks huge to us, but then when you go out and look at this huge cruise ship or freight liner, or this, you know, aircraft carrier, this massive thing is being propelled by something so very small. And matter of fact, the control of the rudder, what we put on that ship, can turn this entire vessel in a completely opposite direction than the way it was headed by simply a rudder. In the same way, your words control your we don't like the direction that it's going in, and whatever that it is, you fill in the blank. If you don't like the direction that your marriage is going in, if you don't like the direction that your children are going in, if you don't like the direction that your money is going in, you don't like the direction that your body is going in, start with the words of your mouth to change its direction, and it will obey you. It's reality. So he says, look at the horse. Look at the ship. Even so, the tongue is a little member. I mean, if I were to cut my tongue out of my mouth and put it on the scale, surely it doesn't even weigh a half a pound. And out of the 200 plus pounds that I weigh, it's the smallest member in my body, but it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? Every now and then we'll hear about wildfires in a dry spell, in the, especially out west, and thousands of acres can burn because of one cigarette that was tossed out of a car on the side of the road. An entire forest burns for nothing. In the same way he says your words. And the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our memories that it defiles the whole body, messes us up in every area, and sets the fire, sets on fire the course of nature. And then watch this part right here. And it is, the tongue is itself set 
on fire by hell. You don't understand this. Sit here and talk. Because death experienced in your life, the life of your family, or life experienced in your life, the life of your family, is in the power of your tongue, not the devil's tongue. He don't have any more authority over you. But he tries to get you to use your words against your family. So all he does is set on fire your own tongue to let you shoot your own self in the foot. His, his self is set on fire by hell. This thing is so powerful, it doesn't matter what difficulties you may face in this life, the power of the tongue is, as I said, the ability to choose between life and death in any given situation or circumstance. You might be facing some very impossible and improbable things that when you look at, it doesn't look like there's any way that this could ever change or be any different than it already is. Child of God, love the power of the tongue. Absorb it. Think about it. Listen to this message again and again. Get, learn how it works. Learn the end. Practice it to the point where you perfect it. Why? Because you can change what you've been experiencing in life. Jesus said it this way, Assuredly, I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he says, which he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. Good or bad. You eat the fruit of what you say out of your mouth. Jesus said you can literally look at an impossible situation like a mountain that's in your path and command it and it will wait. I mean, that's a far-stretching reality even to this day. If we were at the foot of a mountain, you mean to tell me I can speak to this mountain and just command it to be moved and to be cast into the depths of the sea? Jesus said yes. How am I going to do that? What authority, what power are you going to You already got it. It's in your mouth. All you have to do is speak to that mountain, command it to be moved. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe that whatever you said will come to pass. You will have what you say. That's the power of the tongue. But not realizing that, as I said, it is set on hell. The enemy will get you to use your words to choose death and to speak death into your own life and into the lives of others. The Bible talks about the kind of, there is a kind of person that does this. You may have met them, I may have met them, you might have been this kind of person at some point in your life. There's a kind of person who sharpened their tongue like a sword. And they bend their bows to shoot their arrows, which are bitter words. Can I talk to you today? I said, can I talk to you today? There are a kind of people. They sharpen their tongue like a sword. Uh, this morning, I, I, I took the group for the um, welcome reception of Palm Ministry. Strawberries are just phenomenal. <laughs> But usually when I when I cut up fruit or I use a knife or anything, I got a little my little favorite knife sharpener. It's really easy to use. Got it on Amazon. And I sharpen that knife every time I get to read it. Every time I get to read it. 
situation where God took the prophet Ezekiel and showed him a really bad place and a really bad situation. He showed him a valley that was full of death, skulls and skeletons and just bones everywhere, as far as the eye could see. Maybe there was a war and maybe there was some genocide. Maybe, you know, one army defeated another army and left, left the valley just scattered and Decay has now taken place. Where the bodies weren't buried and, and the bones then were now, now rotten to the bone. Now decaying and even the Bible says that the bones were buried dry. It's been that way for a long, long time. Maybe you're in a marriage where it looks like that valley of death. It looks like there's no way that this is ever going to be anything different than what it's been. Or maybe there's a situation going in your physical body or maybe with your finances and as far as you can see, it doesn't look good and this is a very, very bad situation. In that very moment, God comes to this prophet and asks him a question and I'm coming to you today on behalf of God and I'm asking you the same question. That dead thing that's in your life that's been bothering you and hanging on and you've been dragging it along and you've been, you know, to the place where you don't love your life. Even at the point where you wish that your life would be ended. The 
question to you today. Is can these bones live? What you say in that moment makes every difference in the world. We've got to learn how to watch what we say in the middle of bad situations. I like how the prophet answered because maybe it looks like an impossible situation, but he has enough experience with God to know that with God, all things are possible. With men, as far as we can see, there's no way this is ever going to be any different than it is right now. And if we answer according, we're going to eat and, and, and experience the cumulative result of those words of death that we spoke. So he answered and he said, oh, Lord God, I can neither confirm nor deny whether these bones can live. <laughs> But Lord, you know. He had a wise answer. But again, the Lord God came to him and he said, all right, I want you to prophesy to these bones this dead situation. Understand what the word prophesy means. It's an inspired utterance in a known tongue. When I prophesy over your life as I do often as I preach, I am inspired by God to say what I'm saying. I know what I'm saying today in this message. These verses, they were given to me, almost hand-delivered by God to give to you today. I'm speaking by inspiration. Also, remember this, that the tongue is set on fire by hell, just like the tongue can be set on fire by heaven. And that word be in me, shut up in my bones. And I'm weary with trying to get it out. In the same way, the devil wants to inspire you to say something wicked to your wife. Say something nasty to your children. And to say something nasty about yourself. I'll preach better than you say he wants to give you an inspired utterance. We've been there where we've seen, as it were, something come over this person, and they're just going off, and they're in the moment. They are actually being inspired by hell to say what they're saying. He said, all right, son of man, prophesy to these bones. Let me tell you what to say. How many of y'all know we ought to say what God said? It might look bad in the body, but say what God said. By his stripes, you were healed. Hallelujah. He gave them what to say. Say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. You have that kind of authority to choose life in any bad situation. We shared, and maybe my mother-in-law is listening, and then if you are, I thank God that you're hearing this, and I pray that my sister-in-law hears this as well. A few weeks ago, she was given a terrible diagnosis. Uh, my sister-in-law went in for a checkup, was feeling some discomfort. Come to find out she had some toxic conditions in her body and went from literally going from a place of talking to being in an unconscious state, blood pressure dropping to a critical low, kidneys, I'm talking about just a young woman with a husband and two little children. Literally, they would start talking about, you know, that this is a life and death, and if she dies, do we resuscitate or not resuscitate? You know how the hospitals want to find out all this information. We were literally looking at the potential of doing a funeral for a young woman. 
But as prayer began to be made, even from where we were, we began to speak life into that body. We declare, even as the scripture says, she will live and not die. Just this past week, they took her off of the ventilator and the heart machine. Her kidneys are now back to work. Amen. That kidney is leaving that body. And we declare that she will have a full recovery and there will be nothing missing and nothing broken in her life. Amen. What you say when something bad happens in the moment of a crisis can make the difference between life and death. Watch your words. Can I give you one more? It was a time that Jesus himself was in a bad situation. And his family, his disciples were with him. He was in the stern of the ship and he was asleep on the pillow when, when all of this was going on. They woke him up, those closest to him. And they said, watch this, watch your words. In the moment of a crisis. They spoke to him and they said, Jesus, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? What's in their mouth? They're speaking death. They're talking about dying. They're talking about divorce. They're talking about separation. They're talking about being cut off from the kid and not talking to the family anymore. They're speaking about dying. And not only are they talking death, they're accusing. Come on, y'all, help me preach today. They're sharpening their tongues while he sleeps. Look at him over there sleeping. We over here about to die. And he over there just acting like everything is okay. I'm going to wake him up. Get up. Can't believe you. Do you, you don't even care about us. You don't care about the kids. You don't care about the dog. You don't care. You don't care about me. Come on, you ain't never cared about. Come on, somebody. I don't preach to somebody today. not watching their words. Look what Jesus did. He got up and rebuked the wind. To rebuke something, you got to use strong words. I believe he spoke it out loud. He said to the sea, peace, be still. This is an impossible. You can't talk to the wind, can you? You can't command the water to calm down, can you? Jesus did. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he turned to his disciples said to them, why are you so fearful? Why wouldn't I be? At least from your perspective, but not from his. His perspective was, I said, let's go to the other side. My words have power. Doesn't matter what comes up along the way, if I said, let's go, let's go. Why are you so fearful? You're fearful because you're being moved by what you see. In the relationship, in the bank account, in the behavior of that child. They come home and they're smelling like marijuana. You saw their Instagram and you're putting it together that they may even be sexually active. And you're so afraid that they're going to get pregnant or get somebody pregnant. And that's what you're talking about. I'm getting ready to start a series. I don't know when, but it's in the near future. Job was in a condition like that where he was so afraid about what was going on with his family 
and his fears came upon him.